We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 26. Uh, we are coming to you live. It's homecoming week. The Gamecocks host the Vanderbilt Commodores this Saturday at 4 o'clock at williams Rice Stadium on the SEC Network. We'll get to all that and more, but first, if you do want to follow the show, be sure to check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Be sure to go there, rate and subscribe. Tell us you like, tell us you don't like about the show. We appreciate all the feedback as always. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, at Armchair S Car. That's at Armchair S-C-A-R. Follow us on our Instagram account at Armchair S Carolina. And also, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans, armchairamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to armchairamericans.com. Uh, check out the podcast as well as all of our South Carolina Gamecocks breaking news, uh, the latest articles we have there as well. Um, like I said, I'm Chris Phillips, as always, joined as always by my colleague, Tyler Clark. Um, we're going to be previewing the Vandy matchup this weekend. Not Nothing to go over from the previous weekend because of the bye week. So I'll ask you, Tyler, starting out, uh, how was your bye week? How'd you spend? Did you spend the weekend watching football, kind of decompressing? Uh, how was it for you? It was good. I got a lot of things done. Uh, definitely stayed busy. I didn't get to watch as much football uh, this week as I wanted to. Went to the fair Saturday night, so I missed pretty much the only good games that were on all weekend. Um, definitely didn't get to see Notre Dame play, which that game really surprised me. I didn't think really Notre Dame was good at all until I saw the scores. Um, Penn State, another game I wanted to watch, didn't get to see, but that one really went the way I thought it would. And then Sunday, definitely did nothing but watch football, and it was amazing. But it's a lot better getting back to a week that has a Carolina game. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say starting this show off a little bit differently. Uh, Nothing to recap like we just talked about off the air, you know, with the bye week. But, yeah, there was some good football. I didn't – watch a ton either it was kind of nice to kind of step away and just take a deep breath you know what I mean kind of relax but yeah some really really good games it was fun to see Kentucky get their butts whipped um I I was very (laughs) ecstatic about that I'm still obviously bitter about week three from this season um but yeah I mean shockingly Butch Jones is still employed right now so that's that's news as well (laughs) um but yeah big week coming up for sure I mean you've got South Carolina Vanderbilt you've got Florida Georgia you've got uh Texas a and back in action. I think they're playing Mississippi State. A lot of games around the SEC. We're going to focus on the one that we're obviously all concerned about. The South Carolina Gamecocks hosting the Vanderbilt Commodores. 
uh, again in a four o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. Um, it is homecoming for South Carolina. Gamecocks return to SEC play at five and two. They take on the Vanderbilt Commodores, who right now sit at three and five. They're zero and four in the SEC after a pretty promising start of the year. Um, Commodores coached by Derek Mason. So, you know, Tyler. Before we get into breaking some things down, I'll just get kind of your initial uh, thoughts about this game, kind of your feelings as far as, I, you know, we're technically one game past the halfway point, but, you know, I kind of feel like fans and a lot of other people took this bye week as the halfway point. You know, what are your feelings kind of coming into this game? Maybe not, you know, it's kind of a weird situation because I feel like Vanderbilt's kind of having a strange year. They had a hot start. They've really struggled of late, got pummeled against Alabama, Florida took care of business. Georgia, they've kind of, you know, had a string of really, really bad losses. Talk about your feelings coming into the, the game this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely a, a different game than I thought it was going into the season. You know, I thought Vanderbilt was going to be, you know, much improved. I thought they'd have a really good defense, and I thought Ralph Webb, you know, would just kind of run all over everybody. But, you know, they have struggled immensely in SEC play. I think they beat Kansas State uh, when Kansas State was ranked which is a great win, and then you lose four straight in SEC play. So I definitely think it's a lot different uh, than a lot of us thought it would be. Um, but we'll take it this way uh, 100% because I don't think they're very good. You know, yeah, absolutely, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. I'm taking a look here. Um, they've struggled mightily. I mean, they've, they're averaging giving up 246.1 yards per game on the ground. Ooh. Um 170 through the air, which you got to assume the reason is is because teams have never run so well. <laughs> yeah. I think Bama ran for like 480 yards against them, which is obviously an anomaly. It was after the Vanderbilt defensive lineman said, you know, we want Bama, and, you know, they got them. <laughs> like I said, Bama won that game, I think, 59 to nothing. But, you know, Georgia was able to run for a ton on them. Um, you know, like you said, they mentioned they do have Ralph Webb back, who's having, a, I, I guess, a decent year to this point. He's got 110 carries or 408 yards, just under four yards a carry. Five touchdowns, so not terrible numbers for him. Um, he's got he does have actually six catches for 122 yards for a touchdown, so pretty good there. Um, but you know they were they returned Kyle Shermer, who uh, has thrown for a little bit over 1,300 yards in the year. And actually, I didn't realize how good his passing stats were. He's only thrown he's thrown 14 touchdowns, only two picks, so he's taking care of the football. Vanderbilt though has had some issues, especially you know like we said against the better competition. I mean they're you know, struggling mightily. They're averaging under 300 yards per game on offense, if that tells you anything as well. So, uh, yeah, coming to this one, like I said, Tyler, you know, it's it's interesting how much different, you know, this this time in the season is than last year was for South Carolina. The Gamecocks with a chance to go to 6-2, and two, uh, become bowl eligible, you know, kind of knock that out in the eighth game where I think last year they weren't able to achieve that feat till the 11th game. But I think some of the biggest news Tyler came today when the Gamecocks found out from Coach Muschamp's Press conference. They're going to be getting three of their top five O-linemen back. Malik Young, Zach, uh, Zach yeah. Bailey, and Corey Helms will all be available Saturday. They're not sure who's going to start. You know, I'm not sure that really matters, but all three will be back. All three will be healthy. I think it's going to be an absolute huge boost for this offensive line and this offense in general. Yeah, 100%. You know, we talked about it, I guess it was last week's show after the Tennessee game, you know, the offense, the interim offensive line basically is what it pretty much ended up being. You know, they played, they got better each game and they, they, they played really well. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how they, how they play it. But just, mostly having Zach Bailey back, you know, he's one of the best offensive linemen in the SEC, maybe in the country. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 
huge having them back because they work as kind of like a like a, a catcher kind of in baseball, how they just run, you know, the rest of the offensive line. Just having Zach Bailey, it brings like a calmness to the offensive line, I feel like. So having them back uh, definitely in a leadership role and just having uh, just having them back physically is, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, definitely with depth as well, you know, like you were saying, and, you know, I agree with you, Zach Bailey, it's kind of the, uh, the anchor on that offensive line, if you will. You know, I think all the guys kind of look to him and, you know, he's definitely, I, I think it'd be safe to say, the best player on the O-line and one of the one of the veterans for sure. Uh, and just from a body standpoint, I mean, having those three guys back and able to play is going to be huge for depth. Uh, you know, one thing I'm definitely looking forward to doing this game and to see, and I want, would like to see South Carolina take advantage of, I think they're going to come in this game trying to run the football. Um, Vanderbilt obviously has struggled immensely against the run. Um, and I, I think they're going to almost sort of carry the game plan from Tennessee over to Vanderbilt, but it's going to be interesting to see what Jake Bentley does for kind of the second half of the season. I mean, he talked about some of the things he had struggled with as far as with his feet. You know, it was interesting. I read – I'm not sure if you saw the article today, Tyler. There was an article in the, the state newspaper about Jake Bentley and some of the things they would worked on the offseason about getting him more uh, moving around in the pocket, I guess, if you will. <laughs> yeah. moving his I heard feet. this on the radio this morning. It was crazy. Yeah, moving his feet. And he just said that he thought maybe that – he kind of took it too much to heart, if you will, and we kind of incorporated that too much into his game, you know, his game, I guess. And that was the reason for him throwing the ball, you know, off balance or not getting his feet set. And, you know, that was one thing he worked on. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of incorporates that. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if it'll make a difference if he's, you know, like you said, recognized what he was doing wrong. And But, I mean, without a doubt, you know, I think we can both agree there have been plenty of times this season where I think the reason he's missed the throw high or just missed the throw in general was – feet not being set, just not good form. I mean, right. really. I mean, it's kind of been the uh, his Achilles heel, if you will. So I'm interested to see kind of the adjustments he makes. Um, you know, can this offense improve in the second half of the season? I mean, they're going to have to. You've got Vanderbilt this week, but then you go to Georgia. You know, you got you got Florida. You know, that slate in November with Georgia, Florida, and Clemson. Um, you're going to have to play better than you have on offense to this point in the season, I think. You're going to have to improve, at least find some some, some type of an identity um, and also with Rico Dowdle out, I mean, you got to rely on Tyson Williams, Mon Denson. Um, so that'll be really interesting as well. So, you know, Tyler, really, I think the question, you know, it's funny. South Carolina's had a lot of success against Vanderbilt. They're 22 and four, I think. They've won eight in a row, which I saw that today. And it's like, man, like with all the close games, it doesn't feel like it's been eight in a row, but they've won eight in a row, haven't lost to them since I think it was the 2000 and. Nine game, maybe? I thought it was 2000, whatever year we, we seven, were number right? four in the country. I thought it was 2007. Right, right. Yeah, it might yeah, it might have been. Either way, though, uh, you know, there's been some really crazy games. I just remember thinking back to 2014 when South Carolina was on the road and they were down 14 points in the fourth quarter, came back and won that game. And, you know, Vanderbilt's been a stingy team at this point, you know, for South Carolina throughout the years. I mean, there's definitely been some blowouts here and there, but – you know, Vandy's been a team that South Carolina hasn't really been able to take lightly. And, you know, Tyler, on homecoming Saturday, you know, South Carolina's had a chance to kind of regroup, relax, sort of get healthy. I'm just really interested to see kind of, you know, are they going to come out fired up and make a statement on Saturday? Or are we going to see a team that, you know, comes out, plays the level it's competition and plays flat? So, you know, I'm not really sure what to make of this Vanderbilt club, if you will. Yeah, I don't either. But going off what you said, coming off of, I feel I don't feel like the bye week really helped them after that Tennessee game because I feel I feel like if you had a home game right after winning at at, at Tennessee the way you did I feel like you'd be a lot more fired up 
but I also feel like if you worked on some things and you're confident in the things you worked on in the bye week, uh, that you could still show up, you know, and be fired up to play. And it's not a noon game, which really works in South Carolina's favor because waking up for a noon game, you know, after a bye week, I could only imagine how how dragging not the fun. game would be. Yeah, it would be awful. <laughs> not but fun. Very blessed to have a, a 4 p.m. start. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see how they come out. I'm also really interested to see um, how the running game works because um, Jake Bentley said in his interview today that Mon Denson has looked really good, you know, in the few in the few reps that he's gotten uh, that he has to take over for. So it'll be really interesting. I think AJ Turner is going to play uh, a lot more of a role uh, out of the backfield than we've seen. Yeah, yeah, I think the carries that Denson's got, he has looked pretty good. I mean, he's kind of a smaller dude, but just runs behind his pads and. You know, like Steve Spurrier say, runs behind his pads, you know, gets low. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's looked pretty good in his limited carries. But, you know, I agree with you. I, I just think the biggest thing for South Carolina that happened in the bye weeks, they got healthy. I mean, I just think – I'm very interested to see getting those three guys back on offensive line, how big of an impact it's going to be. And also, you know, resting those guys on defense. I mean, I don't think we'd heard a ton about anybody being banged up. Really. I mean, obviously, besides like Bryce and Alan Williams and some of those guys. But, you know – how good is that defense going to look? How refreshed is that defense going to be after a week off, kind of getting to relax? Um, you know, as good as they've been playing, you can only hope they continue that to keep that up. Um, you know, one, one of the big things I'm looking for, like I said, is just coming out. You've kind of had two weeks to – I don't think anybody's telling South Carolina how great they are, but no. it just feels like a kind of game where, you know, maybe Vanderbilt doesn't really know – they, Vanderbilt doesn't know they're supposed to lose to South Carolina Saturday. And the longer you let a team like Vanderbilt hang around and feel like give the, you know, give them a chance, you know, the harder it's going to become. And the last thing you want is to go into the fourth quarter with Vanderbilt. It's, it's a one-score game, you know, a field goal or a touchdown game. And, you know, now, now you've got a, a barn burner on your hands. So I, I'm just interested to see how the, the kind of intensity South Carolina comes out with. I think it'll be a really, really good crowd Saturday. I mean, homecoming, like you said, 4 o'clock kickoff. I think South Carolina fans are really enjoying these 4 o'clock kickoffs, rightfully so, too. Um, should be beautiful weather weather on Saturday as well. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how, how they come out for sure. Um, moving into some key matchups, Tyler, one that I want to start with that I kind of take from last year. I'm not sure if you remember the quote, but um, I got USC linebacker TJ Brunson. I feel like I say his name every single week, but TJ Brunson against Vanderbilt running back Ralph Webb. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember last year from SEC Media Days where Ralph Webb basically guaranteed a win against South Carolina at SEC Media Days in the game last year when they opened up in uh, Nashville obviously off the leg of Elliot Fry. The Gamecocks were able to win that game and really shut down Ralph Webb. But like you mentioned earlier, he's one of the best, probably most underrated backs in the conference. Um, you know, he's a really good player, really quick, and catch the ball out of the backfield like we mentioned earlier. So um, it's just going to be up, be up to T.J. Brunson. I think they said he's ranked fifth or sixth in tackles right now in the SEC uh, with the bye week. So, I mean, yeah. right on pace. He's having an absolutely fantastic year. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see can he keep that up, keep that impressive play up, you know, moving into the second half of the year. Yeah, Ralph Webb's been a name I feel like we've had, you know, around the SEC for a long time. And around the South Carolina game, it seems like we say his name so much, but he never really does anything. And I'm knocking on wood here because um, I don't want him to do anything like that Saturday. But I feel like he doesn't ever play well against South Carolina. But hopefully that trend continues. I really like your matchups you have here. Um, the only other one I would have is Dante Sawyer against Kyle Shermer because 
Kyle Shermer's I will give him this. He's not the worst quarterback, you know, in the SEC. He's, he's a very capable quarterback, you know, if his offensive line he really gives him time. He's a good athlete. But if Dante Sarr is able, you know, to get up in, in his grill like he did um, the Tennessee quarterback's name, I can't remember his name right now. Garantano. Uh, Garantano. Yeah. Garantano was just so uncomfortable the entire game because Dante Sarr was in the backfield every single play. I don't know if you saw the stuff I retweeted, um, but s- somebody tweeted a list of almost every position, you know, at the top top grades in the SEC, and Gamecocks were on like five of them. And Dante Sawyer was one of the top defensive ends. So I'm really interested to see if Dante Sawyer can uh, carry, you know, his momentum because he's been playing absolutely fantastic coming off the edge. Yeah, I agree. I think he's had the kind of year that Will Muschamp, you know, we heard all through preseason, like, hey, these three guys in the defensive line, Sawyer, Yuri Jones, and Taylor Stallworth, all have to have – I think he's had the kind of year that Will Muschamp was looking for out of a senior defensive end. Um, yeah, the other matchup I had, uh, I, I think this this matchup will bounce around between Fenton and Jamarcus King. and I, I think Vanderbilt's going to try to get Trent Sherfield, uh, the wide receiver, out in space against Jamarcus King. Um, Sherfield – 23 catches for just under 400 yards, two touchdowns. He's, you know, been um, basically been Kyle Shermer's favorite target. I mean, you've got uh, Kalijah Lipscomb, who had six catches for uh, 269 yards and five touchdowns. So, uh, you know, I just think Jamarcus King, obviously, he, I think he's been improving. He had a really rough start where wasn't really getting his head turned around, was kind of getting burnt there. But I think he's played a lot, lot better here moving on. Uh, he's going to need to have another big game. Obviously, the matchup you just talked about, you know, is going to play a factor into that. Can the defensive line get into Shermer's face? And I think that this matchup sets up really favorably for them in that regard because, you know, with Garantano, I mean, they had seven sacks against him, but Garantano even was a obviously a mobile quarterback. I mean, he was able to get away from some pass rushes. They won't have to worry about that about Kyle Shermer. I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to drop back, sit in the pocket, uh, and if South Carolina can get Vanderbilt in some longer passing downs, you know, they're going to be able to pin their ears back. Guys like DJ Wanham, Dante Sawyer, uh, maybe even Brad Johnson, Aaron Sterling, Stallworth, all the guys up front. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, and then the third matchup, Tyler, yeah, you looked at it. Um, I've got USC versus looking ahead. Um, you know, we all heard the announcement this week. And I mean, I was even talking about with a buddy of mine on the, on the phone a little while ago. South Carolina's game against Georgia. The time was announced. The three thirty kickoff on CBS between the hedges. Um, game could have huge implications if South Carolina moves to six and two. If Georgia were to somehow lose to the Florida Gators this weekend, Man, yeah. uh, somehow the game would be for the SEC East lead. There's a lot of implications going on. It's just a big game. It's a rivalry game, Tyler. You and I know. I mean, it's a game we're looking forward to without a doubt. And as fans. Fans can look ahead to games. It doesn't matter. But for South Carolina's team, they need to come out. It's really going to be them against themselves to be focused on the task at hand, to not take Vandy lightly despite the record, the 0-4 conference record, and to take care of business on Saturday afternoon. Because, like I said before, the last thing you want to do is give a team like Vanderbilt any type of hope in the second half of this football game. And you get to the fourth quarter and you look up and, like you said, you're in a tie game or a three-point game or – just a situation you don't want to be in. So I just think it's – and especially with a young team like South Carolina has. You know, young teams sometimes have the uh, tendency to do stuff like that, to look ahead, you know, to games the following week and stuff like that. So just take a look at what Clemson did against Syracuse. Um, so, yeah, I think that will be really, really interesting to see how South Carolina kind of comes out and just plays against themselves, really. Um, 
couple keys to the game, Tyler. I think it's one we sort of harp on all the time, but really taking the theme from the Tennessee game into this week, control the line of scrimmage. I mean, the way that South Carolina was able to run the football in the second half of that game, like we mentioned, you've got your big studs back on the offensive line. You know, I, I think this is a game – again, though, I'll tell you this. Last week against Tennessee, it was another game where I was like – the first quarter, I think, went by, and Tyson Williams hadn't touched the football yet. I, I'm really hoping to see that that trend change this week. Um, I think I think we ran about six plays that first quarter, though. In, yeah, that's a good Kurt point. In Roper's defense, Tennessee had the ball for 11 minutes of that first that's quarter. That's a good point. That's a but, good point. <laughs> but, yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's no way that Tyson Williams doesn't get a carry. Uh, in the first quarter. It, it's right. really interesting. I keep forgetting Rico Dowd is out for the season, which is terrible. But It's not even terrible, though, because he hasn't done that much this year. Yeah, but you that, still have to have the, the threat of him. I mean, he ran right. almost 800 yards or so last year in six games. Uh, so the threat is still there. But now I feel like Tyson Williams is going to be able to, to have a full game. Well, yeah, yeah I think Tyson's going to have to – I mean, I'd love to see Tyson be a guy who gets like 15 carries, 20 carries, even if it's there. Yeah. Um, and I think that they've got to continue to use A.J. Turner in the sweep game, you know, continue to use him in really the good ball game. Field. He is. He's very good in open field. So, they got to find creative ways to get both those guys the football. Uh, and then Mon Denson, I like him as like that change of pace back, maybe a second and one, third, even maybe even third and one back. Um but, yeah, they, they've got to find a way to get creative with those guys. Continue the theme from the Tennessee game. Control the line of scrimmage. And don't let Ralph Webb beat you on the other side. Control it. You know, if Ralph Webb gets going, it could be a long afternoon for South Carolina. And, you know, me and you, Tyler, we've both seen way too many times where the Gamecocks make uh, opposing running backs look Heisman Trophy winners. Not John so, Kelly. Not John Kelly. Well, at least uh, just one play, but Jamarcus King will forgive you. Uh, Nah, Williams will forgive you. Yeah, got my jams mixed up there. Um, But yeah, second key to the game, just like I said earlier, play within yourself. You know, don't look ahead. Focus on the task at hand. It's homecoming. You know, obviously every you know it's going to be a packed house. Just stay within yourself. The last time we saw South Carolina in front of a packed house, I don't want to bring it up, but Kentucky game, they kind of just pissed down their leg, if you will, Um, (laughs) laid an egg. You know, just play within yourself. Come out, play a solid football game. You know, it's a team you should beat for sure. South Carolina is a touchdown favorite on Saturday. Um, stick to the game plan and, you know, get a W. Uh, and then, our, you know, the last key I'll t- go with is just attack on defense. I mean, just kind of continue what you've been doing. But the way South Carolina has been playing on defense and how bad Vanderbilt's looked on offense, I think this is kind of another game where the defense can really take over. I mean, like you said before, with Sawyer and, you know, the other guys in the front, the front seven, the wavy, the way the secondary is locked down, Rashad Fenton leading that leading that group. I think this is the kind of game where, you know, even if South Carolina's offense is struggling early, I think their defense can not only keep them in the game, it may even turn a turnover into a score. So continue to attack, continue to be aggressive, force Kyle Shermer to make decisions he doesn't want to make, put him in pressure situations. You know, you had seven sacks against Tennessee. I don't expect that type of effort, but – you know, they need to get after Kyle Shermer, you know, a, a guy that really looks like he's moving in quicksand back there. Um, so, yeah, were there any other uh, keys to the game, Tyler, I might have missed out on that you had? or Not really. I mean, you just got to be able to run the ball. I feel like that's going to be the key to the game. And I think I think South Carolina will be able to run the ball almost at will the way they did against Tennessee. I agree with you. I think having – I think it's just – I'm very intrigued to see how the offensive line plays with those three guys back. I'm just very, very intrigued to see how they play. Because you would think it'd be you know a lot better. I mean, if they're 
if they're able to run the ball against Tennessee and then you add in those three pieces, you, you should be able to have some success. You know, we'll jump right into it, Tyler, with some predictions. Um, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you start with the honors. All right. So, um, the games I've been fairly confident in this year, I haven't done so well in. But there's, I don't see any scenario where where South Carolina just gets outplayed. I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so if I have to pick a prediction, I'll pick South Carolina 34, Vanderbilt 17, and I believe one of South Carolina's scores will be on defense. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we're we're actually making field goals now. I forgot. Uh, Parker White is back. Parker White, three for three in Tennessee. Yeah, we didn't even. He's back at 50% for the year. He's back in a big way. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, homecoming Saturday against South Carolina has a chance to get to six and two, which is. That's outrageous. I mean, yeah, you sit there and think about it. And obviously, like we had talked about before. You know, the two losses you've had, you know, there's been a lot of gripes and groans, and especially the way this season's gone, the way they've gotten there. But the fact of the matter is South Carolina gets a win Saturday. They're going back bowling, and they've got four more games left to improve on that bowl game. So it's a huge game. It's a huge game to build momentum, get your third straight win, get another conference win before you head into Athens the next week. Um, I, I mean, I agree with you. I just don't see a scenario in which South Carolina comes out just – porously flat and just you know even make I don't want to say don't even make this close I'm not saying it's going to be like a 50 point blowout but I just don't see I don't think this game will ever be in a situation where you feel like it's not in hand I think South Carolina will control this football game um, I just don't think Vanderbilt as young as South Carolina is even I don't think they have the athletes to keep up with South Carolina um, you know I'm looking at a score probably 31 to 14 uh, some of similar really similar to what you said um but I just think it's a game where South Carolina, I, even at that point, I think South Carolina's able to get some younger guys in in the fourth quarter. It might be a situation where it's like 31-7 and Vanderbilt gets kind of a cheap one late. Uh, I, I just think the Gamecocks will control this one from start to finish. And I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see a defensive touchdown or maybe even special teams touchdown this game. We haven't seen one of those in a while since Debo. So it, it'll <laughs> Remember that very- year Vanderbilt scored or ran two kickoffs back for a touchdown? Was that 2014? That was the 14 game when South Carolina oh, came back man. by 14 points. Yeah, wow. no, that was an ugly, that ugly game. There's been a, there, that's what I'm saying. There's been a lot of ugly games. I mean, even those, like you said, even those teams that won 11 games. Yeah, they never I'm really beat. I mean, they let me ugled look up real fast. I'm curious. Because I remember 2011, I think it was, they went to Vandy, and that was the game that, Justice Cunningham had the catch where his helmet flew off and he shook his dreads. They won that game like 17 to 10 or something. And that, I think Connor Shaw got hurt in that game. That was 2012, I think. That was 2012, I believe. All right, I'm looking this up. I'm curious if these scores. Oh, how do you find this? 2012 was South Carolina won 17 to 13. And the Gamecocks were ranked eight yeah. in the country. 2011, we went 21 to 3. 2010, 21 7. 2013, 35 25. 48 to 34 was 2014. And I was at that game in 2013. That was an interesting game. I think South Carolina got up like 28 nothing in that one. And then let Vanderbilt come all the way back. It was. Yeah, it was at 35-28, and they made a stand at the goal line to keep them out. <laughs> hey, so, 2015, Sean Elliott coached Gamecocks, won 19-10. Yeah, dude, I, 
that's so funny. That's one of those games where I was there, but it's like it didn't happen. Like that season just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was that was the game where Sky Moore and Bryce Nam Williams and Dante Sawyer all ran to midfield after they recovered a fumble and did the dab. I remember that. 2008 was the last loss. It was 24 to 17 at Vanderbilt. And they lost in 2007 too. Yep, that was that 17 to six was the game. South Carolina was number four in the country yep. after yep. beating Kentucky. Gamecocks had a two-game losing streak to Vanderbilt, but hey, you know what? We have a four-game losing streak to Kentucky, and I would have never believed it if you told me that would happen. So that's true. There you go. But yeah, um, I guess some more Gamecock tidbits, Tyler. We're kind of we're really getting very close to basketball. Um, I know we had the. Media days. I want to talk to you about. I, I want to get your opinion real quick on the the selection where the media had the Gamecocks finishing in the SEC this season because I think there was some disrespect tossed the Gamecocks way. Let me. I, I don't have it pulled up here. I, I believe it was eleven. Um, you might. Do you have it? I, I believe that you know they they picked South Carolina at eleven. Eleven. I, I, I thought it was thirteen. Uh, on the last podcast, but apparently gotcha. eleven. I, they may have been like a coaches poll and a media poll. Uh, right. I so think the coaches poll may have had them at thirteen, and the media poll had them at eleven. Right. Right. So I think that uh, you know, I think we, you know, I think a basketball sort of preview show would be a very good show to have. Um, but I, I want to just get your take. What, what's your feelings on South Carolina picked in the eleventh spot? after losing Sandarius, Thornwell, P.J. Dozier, Dwayne Notice, a bunch of guys from that team. Do you feel like it's there's some disrespect being thrown that way? Do you feel like it's the right spot? What's your, what's your take on it? I feel like it's hard to pick a Final Four uh, final four team to be past 10th. And then you look at all the question marks that are that are around South Carolina right now. There's just so many guys that, that, are, that are question marks that you don't really know how the season's going to go. And I feel like – as far as Chris Silva and Mike Coates are, you have a, a pretty good, you know, big guys. But then you get down to point guard, and you have Hassani Gravit, who's a returner, and that's about it. Uh, the loss of Rakim Felder is huge. I think that that alone uh, puts you back a few spots in that poll because I, I feel like he was going to have a huge year and a huge role. But now you, you're relying on transfers and grad transfers and, and freshmen pretty much. Uh, to fill that void. So it's almost like I understand it, but I don't know. It's tough to pick that. I would have them. If I was, if I had a vote, it would be probably eight or nine if I had to pick. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way as you. I mean, it's, there's a ton of question marks, but I, I think the only reason that South Carolina is not getting the respect they're looking for is that they haven't done it back to back years yet. I mean, I think it's right. at the point where if they come out this year and, you know, guys like Corey, Hel- Corey Holden and some of those new guys really show out. And I think people will start to give Frank Martin the benefit of the doubt. Um, and he doesn't seem so negative about the team. I, no, he doesn't. He I, don't, I don't think he does the best, uh the best shooting team he's ever coached, which is pretty crazy. Pretty, for, pretty bold. <laughs> yeah, it's very bold when you have guys like Michael Beasley who can shoot. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I'm interested to see. And I think we have an exhibition versus Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, for the uh, hurricane relief as well. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah. I don't remember who they had last year in, in that exhibition because I think they're supposed to be like secrets and they never happened. But I think they played a team pretty much like Virginia Tech last year, and we didn't get to see any of it. So it's really it's really cool that they opened that up, you know, to, for for hurricane relief. 
Yeah, they actually, I believe that game is on. Um, let me see. I think that one's coming up like the next couple of days, I believe. No, you sure you're right. November the fifth at two PM at Colonial Life Arena. So Yeah, I'll have to make uh, that Yeah, yeah, that'll be obviously, you know, a whole lot of fun. Cool exhibition for sure. Um the Gamecocks first game though will be a week from yesterday, the thirtieth. The Gamecocks take on Erskine and obviously what is an exhibition. Um, you know, and then they do the hoops for hoops for hurricane relief exhibition which is they'll take on Virginia Tech November the 5th at Wofford November the 10th. And then the Gamecocks travel to Puerto Rico. Or actually, they're, they're doing this in uh, – Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach, that's right. Excuse me. Um, so they're doing the Puerto Rico tip-off. Tip off. The first game is actually in Columbia against Western Michigan. And then um, they play Illinois State, Boise State, or UTEP, and then to be determined because of the tournament in Conway, South Carolina, and then Florida International as well. They play in a lot of tournaments in the preseason, don't they? And the oh, Under Armour, what, yeah, the Under, Under Armour, Armour reunion games, is yeah. another is another game they play in, in November the thirtieth against Temple, which would be a great game. But, um, you know, South Carolina, their first, I guess, official home game that counts will be the Western Michigan game. I'm interested November to see the what kind of crowds are in Colonial Life Arena because the only crowds that that blew me away last year were Florida and Clemson, which were amazing games. Um, I'm interested to see if they pick up, you know, like some season season ticket holders, and people are just curious to come out because I feel like, you know, the fans really miss out on basketball games. They're a ton of fun, uh, especially right. when you have the the away team shooting free throws, and if they miss both, you get Chick Fil A, and the student <laughs> stadium goes absolutely freaking crazy. It's awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's what I, I'm interested to see. I mean, South Carolina's women basketball team literally sells out every game, so yeah. I think with a little bit of success. I, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see the crowds, but, you know, I, I would love to make those. I wish I could uh, during the week. I'll have to come to some of those on the weekend, especially, especially when we get into conference play. But, um, but yeah, that being said, we've actually got questions for this week uh, for the Spurs Up show. We'll get right into them. This one comes from our good buddy from Reddit, Muffuggin, with one of the best usernames on Reddit. Um, <laughs> only questions I have about the game this week are injury report. Um, last week, several people said that Debo Samuel may return for the end of the season. A lot of chatter this week's pointed to a tweet you point out in the day of the injury saying a six-week recovery and no setbacks. Um, the six-week timeline puts him back in return for UGA. Is there any word or not whether he'll meet the timeline? Or are we looking at Florida later for his return? Um, we'll kind of get to that first because he kind of goes into the offensive line next. Tyler, from what I've heard, I mean – I just think I think it's just not realistic to think he's going to return before the bowl game. I just and even at that point, if that's all he has left, I almost just don't see the point. Yeah, I, I don't mean, see any point of him playing this year. I don't think that there's a way that he could return. And it's not worth it. At yeah, that point. right, right. It's just no. What what's the point in pushing it? I mean, he's you know because I just don't see any way he comes back next year either. I mean, I think you go through that many injuries, he's probably going to try to get to the league as fast as he possibly can. I mean, I don't know what his options are going to be. On one hand, selfishly, I'd love to see him come back to South Carolina. The only other red shirts on the table because I feel like Bryson Allen Williams got one in the same game, but I just don't know if he yeah, wants a red shirt. I, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I mean, selfishly, I'd like to see him come back. But on the other side, I, the last thing I want to see happen is him come back and work the entire offseason again and get hurt again. Because at that point, it's like, hey, your career really is over now. Like, I mean, you can't. Yeah, that's fucking flat more territory. Right, exactly. But I so, feel like it's a freak accident, breaking your leg. Like, there's, that's not something that characteristically is going to happen. Right. Yeah. So, 
It'll be interesting, Steve. I, I just don't see. I mean, they they here's the thing. Will Muschamp is definitely not giving any information that makes me optimistic that he'll come back at all before the bowl game. Yeah. And the only thing I've heard him say is the bowl game. So we'll see. Uh, second part of the question, I keep hearing on the Cola Sports Talk shows that even though the offensive line is getting healthier, we may leave the most experienced guys out so the young guys are performing well and worries about chemistry in the offensive line on that. What's your opinion on the impact such chemistry has on a college football offensive line? Tyler, I'll let you kind of address that one. <laughs> I, I really have no idea, to be honest. I've never played offensive line. But I feel like they've played so many games. Uh, I believe going into this year, the starting offensive line had like 98 starts on it. Right. So I feel like, you know, they they all kind of groove together. And we've seen the last couple of weeks that they've gotten better each week. I don't think there's going to be any chemistry problems. Uh, I feel like maybe – I think I feel like it would get better, if anything, uh, just – Seeing, seeing what – because I feel like if you're watching on the sideline for a couple of weeks when you're hurt, you notice a lot more things than you wouldn't see if you were in the game. So, if anything, I feel like it's going to help. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to really hurt as far as chemistry goes. I mean, I think it's sort of like – I think they're going to go with the group that's hot. I mean, I think if one group's in there and blocking well and they put those starters in there and maybe they're rusty, if you will, from not playing. I mean, they're, they're not just going to put them in there because they're the starters. You know what I mean? They're going to – they're going to leave the guys in that have been blocking well. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's – I don't think that's, you know, something to look into about, oh, well, the guys aren't starting. Listen, they're all going to play. They're all going to play a lot. I mean, right. it, it, people don't – see, people don't realize when they watch a game, and, and myself included. I mean, we – because like you said, Tyler, if you don't play offensive line, offensive line is one of the toughest positions, in my opinion, to analyze because you just don't really know that much about it, and it's not a position that's talked about consistently. So you don't realize how many guys just get shuffled in and out, how many how many times they're they're running out, running in and out offensive linemen. So I I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's just a big deal to have those guys as an option, right. if nothing else. Yeah. Um Gate Taylor asks, I'm curious about the wounded warrior game games we used to do. Do we still do that? I'm active duty and I thought it was an awesome cause to be a part of. And the jerseys looked awesome. First Southgate Taylor, we appreciate. Uh, your service, everything you've done. So appreciate that and the question. Um, yeah, you remember, you remember those jerseys, Tyler? The, the, I don't know the, if I uh, like them, but I like the apparel that, that went with it. I feel like the T-shirts right. are amazing. But I feel like the jerseys that we wore against LSU, what was that, 2012? Was that the – yeah, 12. That was 12. Something was like right that. after Georgia. It was right after Georgia. Right. I feel like the jerseys weren't the coolest, but the apparel was cool. Like the T-shirts that, right. that you would get. Are awesome. I don't. I don't know anything about those. I feel like uh, are the games like the Florida weird uniform. Did they have anything to do with the Wounded Warrior? No. I some guy commented in here, I believe, and said that apparently the War, Wounded Warrior Foundation actually misappropriated funds a few years ago, so they don't. So we don't really work with them anymore. Oh, well, so there you go. There you go. But about money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But I just remember when they wore the uh, the Wounded Warrior jerseys against uh, against Auburn. They wore remember when they wore them against Auburn, a terrible game, 2011, and they had to, I believe, they had to switch jerseys because they couldn't wear the jerseys because the numbers had the camo in them, and they couldn't tell who oh, was which that. number, which is the most bananas thing I've ever heard in my life. But I remember we wore them against Florida in the Tito yeah. era. And those were that was cool. 2008, I believe. Those were really cool. Yeah, those were awesome. I wish, I wish we do that. That I was the camo, the digi camo always yeah. with everything. That was the 
the uh, Stephen Garcia Wesley Saunders game. Oh, there we go. Now, I remember. yeah, that that game was close for a little bit, and then Tim Tebow just Tim Tebow happened. Took over. Yeah, it took a. It was so brutal to watch. Watch, but my biggest, probably my biggest sports villain ever. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. I, I'm not. Yeah, and he never will, goes away. It's like we're well, constantly reminded of that. I think like once they leave college, I don't really care anymore. Like for example, I hated Cam Newton in college. I hated him, but I did too. Now that he's, I mean, I'm not a diehard NFL fan by any means, but I do live in Charlotte and. He's obviously the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. I don't mind him. Now, let me put it this way. Now the stuff that he does is just funny. In yeah, college, exactly. stuff that he did, I hated him. So, there you go. But, yeah, I'm looking at those jerseys now they wore against LSU. Those were I, those were pretty cool. I, the white helmets kind of threw me off. Those are the gray ones? Those are the gray ones. Those are the gray ones? The gray, they had okay. the gray those tops still- the digi-camo pants. Look at these. They weren't all gray. Yeah, because the pants – yeah, the pants were uh, – no, 2012. 2012. The pants were not all gray, which made it kind of weird. There was the game Jimmy Legree had a big interception in that game. Remember that? Okay. Yes. Ran it back These for jerseys, oh, my God. Those are filthy. The pants are even sicker. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people still wear the gray jerseys around Columbia to games and stuff. Yeah, the They'll helmet's got to go. Though. The helmet's got to go. Yeah, you can't wear a white helmet with gray. Do you imagine the you know the matte black helmet we have now on that unit? Yeah, see, that would look really good. Oh my god! All right, I got I got to get away from this. This digital <laughs> Yeah, they look awesome. But yeah, um, with that being said, I mean, I think not much else to go over. South Carolina's wrapping up their Garnet and Black World Series for baseball, so baseball season will will be here before you know it. Um. South Carolina's kickoff against Georgia announced for 3.30. I'm not sure yet, Tyler, if I will be in Athens for that one. It'll be interesting. I'm not really sure yet. I'd like to be, but we'll kind of see what happens. But I think other than that, that's pretty much it. You got anything else? Any any last words? Anything maybe I missed missed on in this, this, this week's edition? Do you feel like Florida has, like, a fighting chance whatsoever against Georgia? <sighs> um, they're, so they're a 14-point underdog. I'll tell you this. I wouldn't bet on Georgia 14. I wouldn't bet on it at all, really. If I had to gun to head, though, I'd take Florida plus 14 just because just because I feel like it's a rivalry game. It's a huge rivalry game. I mean, Georgia is by far the better team. Florida is just, what are they, 3-3, three and three, struggling. But isn't this the point in the season where Georgia just Georgia's I, – I mean, that's – I just have this weird feeling something weird's going to happen Saturday. I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong, but I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to see it, but I feel like I'm on the opposite end here. I feel like I would 100% take the 14. But then I see, remember that Florida always gets some of these freaking 14-10 games, and it's so weird. And, and no one I'll give them this. I'll give them this. Florida does have a – I don't know if you saw what the Florida receivers said yesterday, but – they're not ruling this game not confident. They actually, they literally had received one of the receivers said that, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he said basically, you know, we don't care that Georgia's number two in the country. You know, they can't beat Florida. They haven't beat us in three years. I mean, Florida's owned Georgia of late. So he said the same thing two weeks ago. I know. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though, to compare Tennessee to Florida is yeah, Tennessee's true. bad. And they I mean, almost Tennessee, them. They want to yeah. kill Mary. Yeah. So. It, trust me, it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, Georgia's by far the better team. It wouldn't shock me at all if Georgia just ran all over them. Let me ask you this as a South Carolina fan. Let's just let's just say for good cause, let's just assume South Carolina's going to win Saturday. What do you think 
What do you think is the best case scenario for South Carolina that Georgia wins big? Like, what do you think the best case in that game? Georgia wins big. Do you think it's better Florida wins? What do you think the best case scenario for South Carolina would be? Oh, I feel like Florida would have to have to beat them because I feel like if they're undefeated going into a home game in South Carolina or against South Carolina, I feel like they just keep rolling. I don't feel that way yeah. about any other team, but I feel like Georgia specifically they would have to lose to lose again. And I don't yeah. think they're going to. I think they're going to get finish the regular season undefeated. I'll tell you this though. Let me raise this to you. I think the and I agree with you. I don't. I don't disagree. With you. I think Georgia's maybe the second best team in the country. I think they are one hundred percent. Right. I think that the only way that the wheels fall off this thing for Georgia, or I don't want to say the wheels fall off because I think they're in a point where they're going to go to the SEC championship game almost no matter what. But yeah. I think the only way this season doesn't go to Georgia the way they're looking for it is if they start to mess with this whole Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason thing. I don't think I, they're going to mess with it, though. I feel like Jacob Eason's the better quarterback, but I feel like that, that ship's sailing. I think he's going to be gone. Yeah, I, I've just seen a lot of talk in dog land of, you know, should we get Eason in the game because he can throw and you got to, you're got you going to have to throw to beat Alabama? And I mean, obviously the fans don't make the decisions, but it's, 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 it's an interesting dynamic. It's really interesting. It is. I haven't thought about it that way because if they start splitting reps, because I, I seriously doubt they're 50-50 right now in practice. There's no way. No, they if they start be. splitting reps, then you get some internal battles going. And That's what I'm saying. You start to lose focus. Right. I, I can't imagine. Kirby Smart would be probably the worst coach in the country if he did that. So I can't assume he'll do that, but no, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it's such a toss up game. It's such a huge rivalry, but yeah, I can't see a situation where Florida wins. Um, it'd be hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Trust it'd me. Be it so Florida to like win out and every other team collapses and then they go play Alabama. Again. Sneak their way in the SC championship again and they lose by 50 to Alabama. Yeah. Sounds um, good. Georgia, Alabama is <laughs> the game. Honestly, I feel like that's the national championship. Yeah, no, yeah, that's the kind of game where if they're both in the Bama wins by three or Georgia wins by three, they still mo- they still both might get in. Unless Clemson like turns it around and Kelly Bryant's fine, I don't feel like any other team could compete with either Alabama or Georgia. I, I feel like Penn State's going to lose at some point and find themselves, yeah, out of the playoff. Right. I don't want to see that happen because I'd like to see Penn State in the playoff because I I feel like their fans constantly think that they can compete with the big dogs. And if you don't let them, then I was like Michigan state a couple years ago when they got to play Alabama. I'd like to see them waxed. play in a, in a game like that. Or Washington when they played Alabama got waxed. I mean, yeah. Wanting Alabama is not really a smart thing to do. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> like at all. Penn state, I don't know if you saw last weekend, Penn state was chanting, we want Bama. And I think one of their, their defensive backs that's in the NFL tweeted and uh, said, uh, I, I don't know. He's like, you, you, He's like, you, you want us, you'll get us, or something. They play like Ohio that. State this week, right? Yeah, in in the shoe, oh, and man. they're a six point underdog. That's it's, be it's awesome. Yeah, it's a great game. Um, there, there's a lot of good games on this weekend for sure. But the next weekend, the next weekend, I'm definitely looking forward to because you got South Carolina, Georgia at three thirty, LSU at Bama at eight. So oh, that's a God. fun, fun little back to backer right you know, there. Yeah, we asked who's Vanderbilt, who is LSU. That is the weirdest team I've ever seen in my life. That's true. Yeah. Now, yeah. Lose to Troy and then beat what Auburn and that when you're down twenty nothing, and then destroy Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's crazy. So much to be I excited think about. A sneaky good game this weekend is Texas A&M Mississippi State though, and in in uh, Aggie Land, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
A&M's a weird team, man. They're a weird, weird team, too. A lot of weird teams in the SEC this year, I think. Um, and then you got Tennessee, Kentucky in the nightcap, 730. Butch Jones fighting for his job. That I think Tennessee who, wins. Who do you think – I'll ask you because I, I kind of tend to agree with you. Who do you think it's a bigger game for, Mark Stoops in Kentucky or Butch Jones in Tennessee? Oh, Butch Jones 100%. Even though he's going to get here's fired. Here's the kicker. Oh, here's the 100%. kicker. I think Butch Jones is fired anyways. I do too, but I feel like you have to win. Yeah, I, I see an argument from both sides, though, because I just feel like Kentucky, like – they're, they like feel like they're building. They beat South Carolina again. Whatever. Where's they the beat. game at? It's in Kentucky. Okay, you're right. Yeah, Mark Stoops, hundred percent. Because well, I'm just saying the thing is, is like Tennessee. Like, they know they suck. Like they they, just, they suck. Tennessee can get back to Tennessee though. They they have tradition. They can recruit. But of all the teams that like, suck in the SEC, they're not the worst suck team. Yeah, I, I mean, I I tend to agree with you. I think Garantano's a good quarterback. I think he's going to be really good. I mean, obviously, he's him. I mean, the speed of the game is way too fast for him right now. And right, but you can see you can see the raw potential there. Right. I feel like, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm it'll be it'll be see in that game though. Oh, I am too because I want South Carolina to finish second in the East at least, and Kentucky I think is might be ahead of South Carolina. Probably is ahead of South Carolina right now. So, you know, hey, whatever. We'll do. I mean. You, you give me second place in the SC East and Will Muschamp's second year, I, I think there are no Gamecock fans that would be upset at that by any stretch of the imagination. So, but you know, like we said, we'll we'll play with the scenarios next week. I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Um, you know, like I said, check in with us next week. We'll actually be recapping the Vanderbilt game. We'll preview be previewing the game against the Dogs uh, between the hedges, like we said. But be sure to get to Columbia if you can. Check out Homecoming. Check out Game Days. The Gamecocks host the Vanderbilt Commodores. At 4 o'clock at Williams-Brice Stadium, as always, again, he's Tyler Clark. I'm Chris Phillips. This has been another, another episode of the Spurs Up Show. We appreciate you guys listening. Boy, 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 what is it you want to do when you grow up?